Hey everybody, this is Rafe Telsch, and this is episode 40 of Have Not Seen This, a weekly in-depth look at a much-beloved movie, selected specifically by our guest, that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. Hope everybody's having a good week out there, as usual. Um, it, it's kind of interesting doing two different podcasts for me because of the different nature of the two podcasts. In in this podcast, I interview people, and then I record a solo intro and outro, and, and there you go. And my other podcast, I have a co-host, and I'm bouncing things off of him. I'll, I'll sometimes have a different experience recording the podcast than this one. So I had a couple of epiphanies while I was recording this week's episode of my other podcast, Citizens of Azeroth. One, with all of the stuff that's going on in the world, uh, my response has been creatively to kind of shut down. Uh, I, I had a bunch of episodes of this recorded back in late March and early April, and my bank of episodes has pretty much evaporated at this point. So uh, I'm, I'm still going to have episodes, but I'm not as far ahead in planning them as I would like to be. And I really need to find time to sit down and watch some movies and have some interviews with people so that I can put them up here on the show. And I'll be taking care of that. So don't worry, there won't be any episodes missing. But that means like next week, I don't know what the episode's going to be quite yet. I have a couple of contenders. It'll just be what I actually get to schedule and record. Uh, secondly, despite the fact that every week for the past month, I have been talking on this show about the importance of getting involved and participating in what's going on and the fact that I've been sitting back and trying to, to listen and educate myself Somehow, I never said the phrase Black Lives Matter on this podcast, and I, I feel like that's important for me to address. I, I feel like I've addressed it over the past couple of weeks, but I've never said the actual phrase. So just to be absolutely clear, I do stand with the protesters. I do stand with those who are seeking racial equality because I do believe Black Lives Matter. So in case there was any ambiguity around that, that should clear it up. As I said, I've kind of shut down somewhat creatively and I, you know, moving the show to another day of the week uh, to try and contend with my schedule, which has been absolutely ridiculous lately. Uh, I forgot to put out a Friday inquiry last week because by the time I realized it was Friday, it was actually Sunday. So no Friday inquiry to go over for last week's movie, which is a shame because I had a good topic picked out, but we'll come up back to it at some other point, I'm sure. But don't forget to follow us on social media. Have not seen this on Twitter. Have not seen this podcast on Facebook so that when I do remember to put out Friday Inquiries, you can sound off and have your voice heard and hopefully read here on the show. Uh, so this week we are turning to Warcraft, the 2016 video game adaptation film directed by Duncan Jones. And the guest this week is Luke Kunkka. And if that last name sounds familiar to you, then it's because his brother, Alex, was the guest on episode 28, where we discussed the secret life of Walter Mitty and had a really heartfelt conversation about a drama slash comedy that really connected with me and the point that I'm at here in my life. Uh, well, back when I watched it and even now as I'm trying to make some changes to my life. Uh, Warcraft doesn't exactly have that same connection. It's not as in-depth a conversation, but it's still a really good conversation. And I do try to compartmentalize it just a little bit so that we do talk about the film in a way that is open to people who are not familiar with the Warcraft universe. But the truth is, we get into the Warcraft conversation pretty in-depth as far as lore and the story and how the film changes that story from what's been represented in the video games and novels and the other things that Blizzard have put out prior to this film. Regardless, it's a great conversation about a movie that's a lot of fun, even if it doesn't stay 100% true to its roots. So here we go with this week's conversation, Warcraft from 2016. Yeah, so I I have to guess you're a World of Warcraft fan as well. Yeah, that's a pretty easy guess. <laughs> yeah, kind of the here's your sign moment, I guess. Right. What, what do you play? Uh, I am currently playing a level sixty warrior in the classic server Fairbanks. Oh, classic. Okay. Oh yeah. 
So what made you go to class? Are you playing retail at all or just classic? And what, what made you decide that, that to go that direction? I have played a grand total of maybe 10 minutes in retail since classic has launched. And uh, I guess the reason why I chose classic is because I just wanted to relive 2005, 2006, you know, seven <laughs> a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I, I played that when it was live, and I have zero interest in going back to it. <laughs> oh, man, I have zero interest in playing retail, really. Maybe when Shadowlands comes out, I'll dive back in for a couple weeks or whatever. But uh, I'm pretty on board for Classic, and I'm ready for a TBC Classic. Gotcha. So uh, what are you? So you've hit level cap, right? That's level 60? Yes. So what do you do now? Um, level another alt. I leveled a shaman to 60 also, so I could get some alchemy stuff going and herbing. And, uh, just been farming gear, getting ready for AQ40 to come out, which comes out in, uh, three, maybe four weeks. Uh, so you're one of those dirty horde. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so ha- have you been playing Warcraft from the beginning? Uh, my first experiences with Warcraft was orcs and humans on PC. F- oh, wow. Know. Yeah, forever ago. I have the original jewel case and everything. The very beginning, then. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> gotcha. So when the Warcraft movie was announced or, or finally came out, I'm guessing that was right up your alley, then. Oh, for sure. I believe the launch trailer uh, with uh, Duncan Jones came out on stage. Me and my brother were actually at BlizzCon for that. Oh, how nice. Uh, I still want to go to a BlizzCon. Obviously, I wouldn't want to go this year, even if they were holding it, but uh, I, I hope to go at some point. It's a great time, especially for anyone who's a fan of any of the games. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So do you play other Blizzard games as well, or is it just mainly Warcraft? Uh, I dab a little bit in here with the storm here and there. I played D3 for a while, but I haven't touched it in a and a little bit too. I've done a little StarCraft as well. I've played pretty much all their IPs to some extent, but uh, the level of interest just hasn't kept me anything close to what WoW has. Gotcha, gotcha. So on on the movie side, what kind of movies are your thing? What do you normally go for that isn't necessarily related to Blizzard products? <laughs> well, if we just dive into your your little history here of your show, I've big fan of alien and predator movies i was raised on those when i was barely old enough to talk um (laughs) also willow big fan of that movie too a lot of the uh, action adventure sci-fi stuff i obviously was named after a somewhat important character in a star wars franchise kind of thing oh you see that's your namesake (laughs) uh yeah i had a dad who's pretty interested in all that (laughs) <laughs> i i grew up next to a family whose last name was walker and uh they were having another child this was in the late 70s early 80s and for a a brief moment if it was a boy they were considering naming it luke middle name sky so it would oh be no <laughs> sky yeah oh, i i yeah i thought it was awesome at the time you know i also was you know like eight. <laughs> oh geez yeah i can see how that would be uh good for the dad and a lifelong torment for the child <laughs> so we had your brother on the show and he chose uh the secret life of walter mitty is that a movie you like is that up your alley as well or is that different tastes between siblings i was actually the one that got him to go see that movie uh you know the trailers and stuff <laughs> The trailers and stuff have been shown on TV or online or whatever. And I was like, hey, Ben Stiller movie. He's not a terrible person I hate. So, I mean, let's go check it out. See what it's all about. Gotcha. Well, I, I thank you for that then because he and I had a great conversation about that movie. So, <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those movies that uh, after we left the theater, my mind kind of exploded because of the journey that that one individual person had taken. And then it was a little while after that where Alex is like, you know what? I actually agree with you. That was a really good movie. (laughs) So you're taking credit for Alex there. Oh, 100%. (laughs) So, you know, the concept of the the show is have not seen this. We talk about movies. We're surprised people haven't seen. What are your have not seen this movies? I actually thought about this a little bit. Uh, Let's see. We'll go with Bruce Willis's Die Hard. I've never seen that one. You've never seen Die Hard? Really? <laughs> oh, no, not even oh. once. See, that opens the door for someone to come on and talk Die Hard now, though. So I'm thrilled about that. But really? <laughs> yeah. I also never seen uh, Exorcist or uh, Pet Cemetery, either version, or um, 
a lot of the Stephen King movies, actually. Okay. I did see Misery. That was a good one. Exorcist is still one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Like, I, I still hold it in high regard just for being fucking terrifying. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I don't think you're missing much on the Pet Cemetery front. I haven't seen the remake yet, but the original, it's fun, but it's campy fun. It's not, it's not as terrifying as the story is. Gotcha. Well, I mean, uh, it could be something I would watch on a whim. I saw the movie that I think is the green room not too long ago. That was a weird and interesting movie. That was another one that I had somebody uh, talk about doing for the show and they disappeared. And so I, I, I haven't seen it yet. The that, that's with Patrick Stewart. No, not Patrick Stewart. Uh, I actually think it was Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is. He, yes. He plays the, he's bad the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I wanted to see that, and then the the guest disappeared. So I I guess I I could I could always just watch a movie on my own. I guess not not for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's a really really weird and interesting movie. I've heard that, but I've heard really good things about it too. Oh, it's pretty good. The effects and stuff in it were really fantastic. Well, cool. Well, we're here today to talk about Warcraft from 2013, which ties in very neatly with what we talked about as far as your your gaming habits there. Uh, This is directed by Duncan Jones, written by Charles Levitt and Duncan Jones, starring Travis Fimmel, Paula Patton, Ben Foster, Dominic Cooper, Toby Cabell, and Ben Schnetzer. I kind of want to compartmentalize the conversation a little bit. So my first question is always, how do you describe this to someone who hasn't seen it? But I want to ask you, how do you describe this to someone who hasn't seen it, who isn't familiar with the world of Warcraft? How do you um, see that person on seeing this movie? I would say it's a high fantasy movie in which uh, an opposing force that is brand new to this world tries to come and take it over because their world is dying and there's some good, some bad on both sides. And it's an interesting struggle for uh, control of the world or at least the area, the zone. Gotcha. So that that's really interesting. I, I like what you said about some good, some bad on both sides, because that's one of the first things that struck me about this movie. I, you know, I did see this in theaters. Uh, this was my first chance really revisiting it since it was in theaters in what 2013 has it been that long i i know right but my first or sorry 2016 okay um, but but my first note was that we start from the perspective of the orcs you know it 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 is essentially setting up this storyline of the humans versus the orcs 
but we start from the perspective of the orcs and we start to sympathize with the orcs where another fantasy movie would just set the orcs up to be the bad guys and have us just associate with the humans. Yeah, I think that was a really strong move on uh, Duncan Jones's part because you got to set up the characters that are, I guess, the race of beings that the viewers probably don't. Well, let's be honest. Most people that saw this movie were the gamers. Maybe the people who play the games didn't really know the history behind the orcs and why they came to Azeroth. They just knew that they came through a a portal in the ground somewhere and they're trying to kill everybody. Yeah, well, so that's that's my other side is how do you sell this to someone who has seen the movie, who, who, or not who hasn't seen the movie, but how do you sell this to someone who is familiar with World of Warcraft or the previous Warcraft games? I think you have to go along the route of the World War Z theory where just go in and watch it. Don't compare it to the books, and uh, you'll have a good time. (laughs) So were you familiar with these characters and this story before you saw the movie? Oh, a thousand percent. The whole time watching the movie, my girlfriend sat down and watched it with me. I was doing the the actually guy to a lot of the inconsistencies (laughs) between the lore and the movie. Yeah, I, when I rewatched this, I rewatched it with my girlfriend, and I was trying really hard not to be that guy because so they hard. <laughs> do take such tremendous liberties with the lore uh, in a lot of places. And the the one part that I couldn't, I just couldn't resist was Garona killing Lane. I was just like, no, I I gotta address this. I gotta talk about how this happened. Um, which I found interesting on IMDb where there's like this, you know, trivia and stuff. They call it in the original timeline and, and they treat this almost as if it's like the the Star Trek reboot where you have the original timeline, which is the Kirk and Spock and everybody we grew up with. And then, and like then the you, Kelvin timeline and then the Kelvin timeline. They were treating this movie almost that way, whereas there's the original timeline, which is World of Warcraft and the books and all that kind of stuff. And then this movie is an alternate timeline. But I mean, the things they changed. The stuff that was originally in there was just so good, like how Durtan dies and Draka dies and all the stuff with like Orgrim and and just Blackhand and just the orcs in general. There's so much strong stuff on their side from the original lore that they didn't really need to change anything. Yeah, no, but but they did. So and and I definitely have one one change we'll talk about in a little while. I, there's one change that really bothered me that again I kept my mouth shut. I didn't I wasn't the actually guy, but <laughs> it it was a, a change that I was just like, no, no, no. So uh so so what is your history with this movie? Like uh you, you said you saw the trailer, you think it was at BlizzCon when it was released, that that was the year you were there. But right. as far as actually seeing the movie, what's your history with it? Oh, I saw it in the theaters opening night, if not opening weekend for sure. Uh, I have it on 4K on Apple TV that I watched the other night and still love the visuals of it. So even though it does take liberties with the story, it, that's not enough to to pull you away from it. You still really like this. Oh, I mean, the CGI, the orcs in general, just that kind of CGI is unparalleled. It's along the lines of the Blizzard cinematics where you can see and read facial expressions so well that there's no mistaking what they're thinking or how they feel or anything like that. And the, also the spell effects and just the visuals are just so stunning. The landscapes and all that storm wind in general. Yeah. And I, I didn't notice it the first time, but on this rewatch, I, I really felt like they were going through locations that I knew from playing the game, but that were, they paid tribute to the locations in the game without being beholden to them. You know, that they, they could represent Elwyn forest without it, without a gamer going, well, that tree is out of place or that kind of stuff. It's like, it it brought the feeling of it without feeling like they were slaves to recreating it on the screen. Exactly. They gave the world more substance. So if you're playing it in a game, the distance between Stormwind and Goldshire would take you hours to run to but in the game it's just a few feet outside the gates really right right and i and i I felt that a lot more watching the movie this time that it's like oh wait okay so now i've got my bearings okay so they're in this area and this is happening here and yeah in game that's going to take me five minutes to get there but in a, a really fleshed out world 
that's completely different. Yeah, the sense of scale is fantastically done, I think. Yeah. And and I agree with you on the orc CG. Um, I I think the the visual, the way they chose to portray the orcs, because I don't think I would have gone with CG as my default. That's how to do it. I think I I would have gone practical with makeup, but I l- did end up really liking the way that they do it. I didn't like it so much for the dwarves. What limited picture we have of the dwarves, although that did make them feel more like Warcraft dwarves than say Lord of the Ring dwarves. Right, yeah, they definitely felt more a part of the Warcraft world in general than, say, Gimli. To the if you put Gimli in the Warcraft, you'd be like, "This is kind of weird. It doesn't seem to fit as well." Yeah, and I and I felt like they did make it their own. I just didn't think the CG was. I, I don't know. It, it looked like CG as opposed to the orcs, where it kind of it, it felt natural to this universe. That could have also been a thing where they knew that dwarves weren't going to be super big with screen time, so they didn't put as much focus as they did into, say, Orgrim or, or Durotan or Drak or any of the other main character orcs that are going to get a lot of screen time. Oh, I, I agree. In fact, the uh, the first scene that you, you have with the dwarves, really only out of two, uh, but they're in Ironforge. And that scene's totally extraneous. There's absolutely no reason for it to be in Ironforge except for it being a bit of fan service, showing the fans a part of the world. But it doesn't fit in the story that they're telling here. Yeah, but I mean, even as a Horde player, it was still badassy in Ironforge, being all (laughs) lit up with the lava and everything. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's quite a bit of fan service in this movie, and there's a part of me that's... There's a part of me that's bothered by that, but the truth is this is a movie for those fans, so it only makes sense that there would be so much fan service. Oh, for sure, and especially for the Chinese audience, which, let's be honest, made, what, $500 over there versus the sub-100 over here in the U.S.? Yeah, it's ridiculous how much it did there. Um, It it wasn't well-received here, uh, and that's for sure. It it sits at a 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. And a 32% on Metacritic, making it one of the lower rated movies that we've looked at on this show. And as usual, I pulled a positive and negative review just to kind of give some focus. Both of them hit on things that I really felt while I was watching the movie as well. Uh, The positive review comes from Manola Dargis from the New York Times, who writes, Mr. Jones doubles down on the action, though without any real shocks or awe, but he also modestly complicates the question of the monstrous. The orcs in Warcraft prove somewhat more psychologically complex than any number of cartoon Hollywood villains. They're sincere for one, and they're generally better company than the king and his crew. It says something about Mr. Jones's choices that he gives Durotan so much screen time, and Mr. Kebble, with the help of special effects wizards, makes good use of that time with a nuanced, moist-eyed turn that evokes old studio gladiators like Victor Mature. Durotan is a beautiful brute and all the more human for it. Well, that's the thing, though. The orcs are such a noble and honorable race that they can't, well, for the exception of Gul'dan, who's a big old meanie, the orcs, they can't really, like, do anything overly disgusting, like commit war crimes and stuff, because they're bound by honor and a code, whereas the humans, are, they can lie and cheat and backstab and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I... I... As I said, you start with the orcs and you start gaining sympathy with them, and he is trying to show good and bad on both sides, but I almost feel like he succeeds more on the orc side than on the human side, because I almost feel like the the human characters are... I, I don't know enough about them, and like I... Being that actually guy, as you talked about, I had to explain to my girlfriend that it's Anduin Lothar, and that's the where the name Anduin comes from, and they refer to him as King Lane throughout the entire movie, but it's like, no, that's Lane Rin, that's Varian's father, right. you know, and you, and you do get that moment where he says goodbye to tiny little Varian, so you do, and again, I feel like that's a moment of fan service thrown in, especially since they haven't used his last name, but like the queen, we never even get her name on screen. Yeah, there's so much other stuff they could have put in. I think Duncan Jones himself said he had to cut about 40 minutes of the film, or his director's cut would have been 40 minutes longer because of all the extra stuff that they need to put in there, or that he had to remove, like um, the war with the elves and the trolls that he had originally wanted in there, which would have been so cool to see. Yeah, because we don't even see trolls in this version of the film. Not even once, and that's really upsetting. 
Yeah, we we were talking about how you don't even see all of the the primary races from Warcraft. You you see the Draenei, but they're withered and imprisoned. Um, and they're not even a primary Warcraft race if you really go back to classic. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you don't see trolls. You don't see Tauren. You don't see gnomes. The last is kind of understandable because, you know, gnomes have never been very cinematic focused. I mean, Blizzard has usually not even used them in the cinematics that they use to promote each expansion until yeah. more recently. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. So on the negative side, Will Leitch for the New Republic writes, one of the many irritating aspects of Warcraft is that it plunges you into its world without much care or concern. There is no nod to newcomers. The movie just starts. Orcs, humans, griffins, I think, and a stray elf or two begin talking in a stilted cadence about even more creatures you haven't met yet. Good movies meet out information carefully, trusting that if you don't quite get what's going on, you'll catch up as you go along. Warcraft betrays that trust, never establishing much of anything. You'll constantly feel like you walked in late. I don't remember the last time I was so utterly mystified about what was unspooling in front of me. Yeah, I agree with that. If you don't really have any former history or anything with the lore of Warcraft, you're not going to recognize any of these names. You're not really going to know what's going on. You'll just see that there's green orcs and brown orcs that are going through a portal and they end up in human lands for some reason. Yeah, and I think actually that review was the one that pointed out that some of the orcs were green and some of the orcs were brown, and there didn't seem much reason behind it, which, you know, as players of the game, we know that the reason behind it is the the green ones are imbued with the fell energy, which is, you know, kind of at the heart of the movie, but I don't feel like, I, I mean, almost they make sure to explain it when the baby is born and he drains the, the soul of the nearby person and puts that energy in the baby and the baby turns green, even though both of its parents are brown. But it, it almost isn't overt enough with that to help the newcomer to the Warcraft universe. Hey, man, show baby Thrall a little more respect. Come on. <laughs> well i mean the, the way they do that it's almost like they're trying to make that a twist that, that that is thrall yeah uh they don't really have a name form or whatever until the very last two-thirds i guess of the film yeah and then it's and then it's goel and there are a lot of people out there who don't even know that thrall is goel because in the in in world of warcraft i think he's only been referred to as goel by agra i think almost nobody else has ever referred to him by that name yeah, those people didn't play Cataclysm at all. <laughs> True. In Cataclysm, Agro was like every five minutes calling him Goel, but Yeah, and Thrall went on a big soul search and was like, Oh, I guess I'm this guy now. That's true. Okay. But so I mean the complaint is that this isn't really accessible to people who aren't already familiar with Warcraft. What do you think about that? I think that would definitely explain the sales or ticket sales in the china versus u.s uh, around this time what uh warlords of draenor was real big in china and they had a couple million players over there or something and it wasn't as big in the u.s because it started dwindling down after wrath that's true i didn't think about it coming out that's that's actually a really interesting idea that it came out the same time as warlords because it does feature some of those same characters yep if you notice, uh, when the portal is going down towards the end, and it switches from Draenor bringing the orcs in to uh, Stormwind, when Medivh sending them through the portal, you see Kargath Bladefist in the background. And I believe Hellscream's in a numerous scenes. It just doesn't get mentioned by name ever. Yeah, I wouldn't recognize Hellscream on sight, but I, I did, about 75% of the way the movie, think, shouldn't he be in this? Oh, Hellscream's in a lot of the prominent scenes, especially around the the fell campfire where black hand loses his hand. Uh, Hellscream has his pretty notable single leather pauldron and you can't really tell, but he has his ax with him too. The gore hell. Okay. So it's just, I, I see even as a player who is familiar with the game, I'm missing stuff watching the movie. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm so bit. I read uh, most, all of the older books. Basically I've read all the books from, uh, uh, the Warcraft 1 timeline, Warcraft 2, and then a little bit into Warcraft 3. So I'm pretty familiar with a lot of the characters and their arcs up until that point. And then after that, it's pretty much all through the games where they have their finishing, the ending of their stories. So you're that familiar with the lore, but it didn't bother you that they changed the lore so much for this? 
See, that's where you're wrong, because it did, but you just gotta learn how to turn off your brain and just kind of enjoy things every now and then. <laughs> so it doesn't bother you now that they changed the lore that much for it, I guess I should say. Um, no, not particularly as much. It's just, you, you go for the visuals, you go for the really, really beautiful animation and CGI and spell effects and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, some of it just really neat. Like, I like how they portray... Cadgar, different than what I imagined with Cadgar, but I really like the performance there. Um, I, I really like Ben Foster's performance as Medivh as well. But I, I like this idea of this kind of fledgling wizard Cadgar who's trying to do the right thing and has therefore removed himself from the mage organization because he feels like they're not going to permit him to do things the right way. Yeah, that's exactly how it went down in the book. He was part of the Kirin Tor for a while, and then, actually, I don't believe he quit the Kirin Tor in the book, but Medivh summoned him specifically because he sensed his magical prowess and uh, basically brought him on as like a steward or a Padawan or whatever. Yeah, he was an apprentice. Yeah. Yeah, which, I, I mean, that's a pretty dramatic change that in the original history, he's an apprentice to Medivh, and here... He's not only not an apprentice, but there's almost an instant adversarial relationship as Medivh recognizes his power. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, he says several times, you are not the Guardian yet. Yeah, I think Medivh is a little salty about that. But, I mean, you know, I, I do like the way they're presented specifically because I like the way their magic is presented. And that's, it's, I wish mages in the game were as cool as these two are in the movie. <laughs> oh, if you think the ones in retail are cool, you should look at the mages in classic. They got some really nice spell effects and animations there. No, I don't. That's the thing is I, I don't, I, I, I've never been able to key into Warcraft's idea of mages. It's never really sat well with me. Um, it's always felt too limited. And like, that's one of the things I like about the depiction in the movie is they are, they feel like masters of the arcane arts, kind of like Jaina does in the cinematics that Blizzard releases. She's not a frost mage. She's not a fire mage. She's a freaking mage and she can do all of it. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's kind of the thing though. Cadgar was such a novice at the time. He didn't really have a whole lot of the grasp on the magic. So Maybe that's why he's portrayed so weak or kind of one trick, really. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, and I, as I said, I like that performance. I really like Ben Foster as Medivh, and I'm I'm a huge Ben Foster fan. And this is it's funny because he's almost not recognizable. Like if you know Ben Foster from like the X Men movies, where we were talking uh, after we finished watching the movie about what a terrible treatment he's gotten through the X Men movies because he's been in he was in X Men Three and X Men Age of Apocalypse, which are arguably the worst of the entire X Men franchise. But those are the ones he's been in. But if you if you know him from those movies, you're not going to recognize him here. I think the first time I saw him was actually in that movie Parabellum or something. It's like a, a space kind of dead space looking movie where he just kind of wakes up and he's in the middle of space and he, there's no one alive or around. It's a really creepy dark movie you should check out maybe. I've heard of that but I've not watched it yet. I will definitely check that out. Uh, I know him from like, what is it, Big Trouble with the Tim Allen movie with he's in it and it's like him and Zoe Deschanel playing kids because you know they are kids. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, I've I've never even heard of that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's going back quite a ways. Um it had to it easily had to have been one of his first roles, but it, it's it, it's so funny to see how far he's come from that point. Oh, for sure. Uh, how did you feel about uh, the other characters kind of portrayal or other actors portrayal of their characters, specifically Lothar and Garona? All right, so Lothar, I, I like the performance, although I, fa I found it a little too stoic. Like, I don't feel like, I, like he's hard to read. He's almost detached from everything. And really? yeah, I just, I didn't feel like, I, I don't know. That just, that's just the, the, the feeling I got from it is I, I didn't feel like, I felt like he was kind of a, a warrior. Uh, warmonger, and that was really the only thing that brought passion out. And I, I mean, I liked the scenes between him and Ruth Nega, who plays his sister, who's the queen. Um, but part of that, again, is just because I kind of like Ruth Nega. But I didn't feel like Lothar was really that interesting a character. 
I feel like he was not stoic enough, to be honest. I feel like he has, he was way too much of a kind of a comic relief at times, and that just seemed a little unnecessary in certain scenes. Interesting. Okay. Um, Garona, I love. I love the way she's depicted here. Um, there was one scene with her that kind of bothers me where it's can doing... It? Can I guess it? Yeah, sure. Is it the one where she is in the throne room and Lane's like, hey, we're going to give you freedom if you help us. And she kind of looks over at him like that weird look on her face like she doesn't know whether she wants to cry or scream or something. It's no, just such a weird look. No, it wasn't that one. It's It was more the, the, the building, the rapport... It's when she visits Lothar in the prison. When Lothar is the one who's imprisoned, it's kind of oh. the flip of the earlier scene. Yeah, and for some you. reason, that scene just didn't work for me at all. But I, I liked Paula Patton as Garona. Um, it did bother me. I already alluded to it earlier. It did bother me that they change how she kills Lane. Right. Yeah. Because cause... I felt like that's such an important part of her story. And they completely alter it with a different context. Right, because in the original lore, she is actually an assassin who assassinates Lane in Stormwind while it's burning. That's another big difference they changed. Stormwind is actually lost and sacked and raised at the end of the first war. Right, and then they retreat to a whole other city that they would have to have introduced in this movie. So I understand them not going that route. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like a very direct threat to the humans. They did have some inklings. Um, there are representatives of Lordaeron at that meeting with the elves and the dwarves towards the middle of the movie. Yeah, uh, Lothar actually leads the whoever's left over from Stormwind being burned to the ground up to Lordaeron, and that's that's kind of where his story gets a little bit more spicier. Right, right. You mean in the original history? Yeah, in the original history. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say because there's no. I mean, yes, there's. I mean, I, that that meeting of the different forces like i i assumed gilneas was probably in there too but i didn't see any representation of them i mean i just assumed that they're there i don't know if gilneas had any kind of representation in the movie no i didn't see any in the movie but i in the original history i would assume that they were there uh yeah yeah if i remember right there are a lot of people admiral proudmore was there for gilneas yeah, that was a detail that I really dug is when he uh when when the king points to the map on the ceiling of the the throne room. Oh sorry, not Gilneas, Coltiris. Got to yeah. get my lore right and my brother's going to throw a pack <laughs> at me. I I love that detail when he points to the map on the ceiling and Coltiris is there on the map. And I'm I mean it's for me it wasn't because, you know, growing up with World of Warcraft, well back in Classic and Burning Crusade and that kind of stuff, that didn't exist on the map. Right. Yeah. Just the map in general is really cool seeing how it's portrayed in the movie versus what we know from the games and all that. Right. Right. So it was neat to have that. I like that was, and again, that's kind of a fan service to have a giant map there, but I, I liked it as well. And I, I love the fact that I noticed Coltiris there. Hello, all of you fantastic listeners. I'm Erica. And I'm Billy. And we're the hosts of Martinis and the Macabre. A comedy podcast discussing morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. No, you don't understand. I was going to try and eat a little bit of her. I was going to hit Just her. a nibble. Do you like true crime? She killed him and cooked him. Do you wonder about morbid history? What are you doing with that hammer? <laughs> Do you laugh at inappropriate topics? Open uh, mouth, cut off top of head, and insert both feet and hands. <laughs> <laughs> then we cordially invite you to our cocktail hour so you too can build up a tolerance for booze and body bags you got a body in these well it's not a fried anus i'll tell you what <laughs> find us on itunes stitcher and most other podcast apps by searching martinis and the macabre and then sit back and laugh at the worst the world has to offer cheers So the the alterations to the lore, what does bother you about that most? <sighs> I think Stormwind still being alive, that needed to be burned. <laughs> it, it feels like they only really did half of the first war because 
the orcs did suffer a little bit of actually no they didn't they didn't have any setbacks they just kind of ran through stormwind real quickly in their war campaign and that's when they doubled up to Lordaeron. the alliance did and that's when the formation of the actual alliance happened right in the in the original history again we need to Correct. make sure yeah. we reference that yeah um yeah i mean that's that that part as i said it doesn't feel like the city is in any kind of peril in the movie yeah it's just that the orcs are capturing more people to fuel the fire for the portal to be opened up to bring the rest of the horde yeah exactly so i mean it's like they're they're trying to be cautious about you know this new threat and obviously they want to protect themselves from it but it doesn't feel as much like a threat as it it could have been like if if stormwind was actually in danger in the film yeah uh i don't know stormwind was fine they were really gonna i think they would have been fine anyway yeah. Now, did you see it? Odd timing that we're doing this, but the director Duncan Jones actually just spoke out on Twitter this week about where he would have taken this if it had gone into a full trilogy. I'm glad you brought that up because I have that little uh, tweet screenshot in my phone. I was going to bring it up later, but yeah, he was going to set up basically the uh, book Lord of the Clans, which is Thrall's story of being gladiator fighting for a guy named Blackmore who was kind of a dick. And um, but the main difference from that is uh, Duncan Jones said he would run into a Torrin. There's no Torrens in the book, but the Torrin <laughs> would set up the third film where Thrall travels to, I guess, Kalimdor at this time or right. whatever they want to call it in the movie and sets up Orgrimmar. So basically it becomes Thrall's story if, if you follow a trilogy which I find interesting because you you said it almost felt like they did the first half of a book here, and it would have been interesting to have seen the orc forces move on Stormwind, and instead we would have switched gears entirely and focused on Thrall instead of the sacking of Stormwind. Yeah, exactly. It's like they took the first half of the first book, and they're like, okay, this is good. We'll just take Thrall's story now, and then we'll move to Warcraft 3, and then we're good. So it would have been a ultimately a fairly rushed story in my opinion because there's so much juicy stuff in the middle of all that you're going to be missing out on now jones has been vocal in the past about difficulties making this movie because essentially it was making a movie by committee because he had to keep the producers happy but he had to keep blizzard happy and i i feel like you can see that on the screen i love uh duncan jones's style and I almost feel like it's absent from this movie. Like it's almost, it's kind of on par with like Kenneth Branagh doing Thor. Like here, let's take this lauded, critically acclaimed director and shove him in a Marvel movie where he's going to be constrained by the rules set by Marvel. And I almost feel like that's what happened here with Duncan Jones is it, it's, it's as if his own style had to be restricted by what was needed by Blizzard or by whoever else. So what you're saying is we need we need a Kevin Feige Warcraft and then we're good. <laughs> no, that is not what I'm saying. I I, I guess I'm, I'm saying it could have been almost any other director as well. I mean, not that I'm saying I'm mean, sure the way the orcs are presented and and as we talked about right at the beginning that that we do relate to them, that we do feel emotion for them, that they are so expressive. I'm sure that's because of Jones. Yeah, definitely. I honestly think the orcs are the strongest part of the film just as a whole, even if the story is a little inconsistent with uh, what uh, fans probably wanted it to be. But still, the orcs are definitely two thumbs up from me. So so going back to my question about what from the lore bothered you, here's here's my little nitpick of the movie. Shoot. The one thing that bothered me the most, and it's a tiny thing, is when uh, Cadgar goes off, you know, he's got to take his findings to the Kirin Tor, and so he goes off to the floating city of Dalaran. Oh, man, that hurt my soul so bad. Okay, so listeners who don't know Warcraft lore, at this point in Warcraft lore, Dalaran is not a floating city. It is firmly on the ground in the Alterac Mountains. It is later in the city's history that the mages turn it into a floating city so he shouldn't have been going to a floating city it's a cool shot but it completely and totally doesn't fit narratively and yes i'm the actually guy now (laughs) (laughs) well i mean 
Dalaran doesn't even take off until after the second war, until the middle of the third war. Well, after the third war, too, after Arthas is burned through Quel'Thalas and goes to Dalaran to get whatever he needed to get there. I don't want to get too nerdy into the lore and stuff. <laughs> but Dalaran closes off completely and has spell shields up and stuff after they get burned through by Arthas and the undead. Right. And they don't move uh, the city from on the ground until they start moving towards Northrend until the players and the characters and all that move their eye to Northrend to take on Arthas, who isn't even alluded to in this story. Right, exactly. And they only go because there's a lot of magical presence up there because of the blue dragons. But that's more nerdy stuff that people probably aren't super interested in right now. <laughs> so so the floating city really bothered me just because that's not where it should be at this point in time. Right, just out of principle, it should be deep in the ground, well-placed, and just ride through on a horse. But I mean, flying around a griffin's pretty cool too, I guess, so it, that's what works, I guess, for it. Well, and there was some trivia that I was reading that was saying he shouldn't even have been flying around on a griffin because griffins weren't brought in until the second war or something like that. And I was right. like, okay, that's, that's too nerdy for me. That's where I get... <laughs> If you want to get specific, it's the wild hammer dwarves of the airy peak that have tamed the griffins and stuff that get called into war and during uh, the second war. Exactly. Exactly. I'm nodding and smiling at this point because you've definitely gone too nerdy for me. (laughs) Hey, man, when you talk about something you've been passionate about for almost decades at this point, you get a little nerdy. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's that's why I feel like I made the comment earlier about, you know, feeling like there were moments that are thrown in for fan service, like seeing little variant. Like, I'm almost surprised they didn't throw a little Jaina in when he goes to visit the Kirin Tor. Oh, I'm so glad they didn't, though. <laughs> but but that would have been a little moment of fan service. I mean, hell, you have the moment of fan service early on in the film when they're riding to Goldshire to find the king. Which, by the way, why the hell is the king in Goldshire? Uh, all the ERP, you know, the Moonglade server, or Moonguard. <laughs> <laughs> but they they are riding there and they pass over the the bridge and the murloc is there and does the little <laughs> sound effect you know <laughs> that's total fan service and i loved it it it's they had to throw that in because they knew their built-in audience was going to feel the way you just mentioned which is if when you're passionate about something this comes out in 2016 warcraft's been out for over 10 years people have been passionate about this for a really long time yeah, not only that, but Murloc are like the bane of most everyone's existence who's played the game. If you've played that game, you know that noise, and you know you're about to be really annoyed for the next three or four minutes. Well, and it was even worse, because, and I, I find it really interesting that you're saying that, because it was even worse back in classic days. Oh, absolutely. The Murlocs got nerfed in the Cataclysm. Is my is my comment because they used to when you heard that sound, you very likely were getting ready to hit on a corpse run. Uh, not because they necessarily were powerful, but because they were medium power, but there was a ton of them. Oh, yeah. If you heard that noise, you looked around, you saw at least two or three of them running at you, maybe more. And and now you see two or three of them running towards you, but you can kill them pretty easily. But so, yeah, but that's I, I loved that little moment. So what's your favorite kind of fan service moment of this movie? Oh, fan service. Um, let's see here. I maybe the warlords themselves. The unnamed orcs in the background, like Cargath, Bladefist, and uh, Hellscream, and I don't really have anybody else. Well, Blackhand, I guess. How do you feel about Blackhand's portrayal? Um, he probably could have been a little more warlord-like. He seemed too nice, quote unquote. Yeah, I didn't realize he's voiced and was performed by Clancy Brown. I love uh, Clancy Brown. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I and I normally I can spot Clancy Brown pretty quickly. I can recognize his voice when he showed up in season one of Mandalorian. It was like I instantly recognized him. I had no idea that was who was behind Blackhand or Macbeth from the Gargoyles cartoon. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I just watched Starship Troopers like a couple of nights ago too. I was like, I love this dude. He's such a oh. cool guy. He's got a great voice. And I first met him uh, through Highlander, where he's you know the, <laughs> oh, the yeah. big bad, and I just love him there. I love him in Starship Troopers too. But I almost feel the the one side of the orcs that I feel like kind of got the shaft 
you know, they, they we do relate to them. We do connect with them. Some of their lore gets switched around a little bit. You're right. Their their deaths especially are different than they are in the original lore. But the Makgora is just ridiculous in the movie. Both of them. Because it's almost you you talked about how they're honorable people and neither one of them is done with honor. I liked the one between Durotan and Gul'dan because it showed Duratan's side, how honorable and noble he is, and he's trying to show the rest of the Horde this monster that Gul'dan has become, and Gul'dan is just cheating left and right by draining his soul and stuff. At yeah. first, he starts out pretty, you know, one-on-one punching and stuff until he realizes that Duratan is probably going to kill him in a straight-up fistfight. Th- that's the other thing that kind of bothers me about this movie, is when Gul'dan pulls off his robes there, and he's kind of ripped. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't (laughs) bug me that much. I mean, just the orcs in general, they are a very, very peak physical, physically fit race just in general by make. It'd be like, uh, the guy from Game of Thrones, the mountain to be saying like, oh, that guy, he's just a fat blob or whatever, even though he is that big, he's still going to be pretty muscular and strong. Gotcha. Okay. So that's like my comparison there, I guess. I guess I just always expected him to be kind of withered and drained underneath his robes. And instead it's like, oh, he's kind of ripped. Okay. That's an interesting take. (laughs) Well, if we want to get more into the nerdiness of it, he probably hasn't been too corrupted by the fell yet. So he probably still maintains a lot of his physical peak prowess. Plus he does have the fell going through him anyway. So that's going to give him a little bit of a physical edge too. Kind of like steroids. (laughs) Just kind of think of it that way. Like he just, Took a lot of steroids before I started fighting. Yeah, I just, I mean, that obviously, that definitely shows the characterization of your players. You know, when one one is trying to be honorable because this is an honorable battle and Gul'dan is not, he's cheating. It definitely then displays who he is. But then you have the second Makara later on with Lothar, which I'm not sure why they would do that with Lothar. But okay, it was for the film. I think I don't. I don't believe that that would even be a thing that happens with orcs and humans at this point in the war. Right. That's what I'm saying. Is it seems weird that they go back to that device with a human when I don't believe they would do that with a human in in you know their culture, and then it's another example of oh let's cheat. Right. The slide under with the sword and the groin. Like oh come on. Well, and then I got to thinking. You know, there's. I can I can only think of one Makara we've had presented through Warcraft's history that didn't involve cheating. Which one's that? I'm, I don't remember. The the Thrall Garage fight, and there are people who contend that Thrall cheated in it because he I used his shamanic powers. Yeah, I, I don't think he cheated. I don't think he cheated. <laughs> I don't know, man. Lightning is pretty pretty suspect. <laughs> So it, I guess if that one is cheating too, then everyone we've gotten has been cheating. Ulterior motives. Yeah. So then it kind of breaks the idea that it's a honorable battle. <laughs> Maybe that in itself is what kind of makes the orcs what they are, is even though they are that no- noble and honorable, that the stuff that decides their leaders is actually kind of fixed. Yeah. All right. What else do you want to chat about that we haven't hit on? I don't know. Let's see here. How about how did you like the look of Gul'dan? Did you like the uh, the warlords of Draenor with all the spikes coming out, or would you preferred more of a traditional uh, no spikes in the back orc? Well, I think the spikes coming out of his back is specifically what bothered me when he was then so buff under the robe. Is it's like that is what kind of gives him the appearance of this twisted, what I would assume withered body underneath the robe, and. So I I liked it. I liked that appearance. To me, it fit the idea of this orc who is messing with energies that twist and corrupt and burn. I mean, he's the fell energy is what ruined their planet. And he's the physical representation of that. It makes sense that his body is twisted as well. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's just another instance where the Lord doesn't really follow the movie between the games and the actual lore and the movie lore. What do you mean? Uh, Gul'dan himself is, in the actual lore, he's not very strong. He's still quite formidable, but he, there's no way he'd be able to win in a one-on-one fight like that without using any kind of magic, like, absolutely at all. Right, right. <laughs> because he is so 
relying on the fell and, and the magic that it possesses. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, I liked the way he was presented. I, I think he's one of the, the highlights of the film. You know, I mean, again, the, the orc side of things, I find it interesting that a lot of the negative reviews were critical of just how effects laden the orcs were, but I found them to be the better part of the movie as far as presentation goes, as far as emotion goes. You think it just maybe could have been a detachment from them being CGI characters as opposed to maybe live action costumed orcs, the humans in general? Maybe. I mean, as I said, I wouldn't like if I had been directing a film, first of all, it would have been a very different movie because I'm not a professional director. But (laughs) if if I had I wouldn't have chosen to go the CG route with the orcs. I think I would have gone practical. Uh, and, like Lord of the Rings, Urkai. Right, right, and that that would have uh, made it very different. So, that could have worked out too. I think. I think me and Alex actually discussed that when we first saw it. Is that they could have probably pulled off like a more Urukai look if they didn't want the CGI. But the CGI still worked out really well, I believe. Well, and the Urukai are supposed to be more savages, so you want to avoid that. They they needed to present an orc who looked brutal, but at the same time has intelligence and has emotion. And I feel like the, the the way they did it worked in that regard. Very true. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. All right. Well, let's head into the end credits here. Got a couple of games before we're done. First up is the algorithm says these are a variety of movies that various algorithms say you will like because you liked Warcraft uh, oddly, and maybe kind of reaffirming what I just said about the movie, not having Duncan Jones's style. Other Duncan Jones movies didn't appear on this list because I totally would have left them in if they did. Interesting. Yeah. So, and and, and as a lot of these lists, um, you can quickly see the connections or maybe not. But uh, so this is kind of a lightning round. What do you like? What do you not like? What do you not see? How the hell it's connected to this? That kind of thing. Yeah, this is what I'm here for. All right. So first up, Prince of Persia. I did not see it. Jake Gyllenhaal, whatever, at this point in his career. So, eh. I didn't think it was that bad. Um, I mean, obviously, it's another video game adaptation, but I don't. I, didn't, I mean, it, it wasn't great by any means, but I, I probably Warcraft is a better video game adaptation. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Clash of the Titans, the 2010 remake. That's the one with Sam Worthington. Yeah. Okay. I saw that one. It, uh, a lot of the stuff was okay about it. Overall, it was like fine, I guess. Yeah, my comment when it came out was that, you know, the original 80s Clash of the Titans needs a remake. This wasn't it. Right. It'd be like if they decided to take Jason and the Argonauts and just kind of up the graphics a little bit. Yeah. Uh, All right. Assassin's Creed. I did not see it. Me neither. I just know it's a video game adaptation. (laughs) I think the reason I didn't see it is because people were like, yeah, there's not really a whole lot of connection to the game itself other than the name itself. Yeah, that's why I, I heard it had decent parts to it, but I haven't seen it yet. So, and I'm not in a rush. All right, moving away from video game adaptations, The Great Wall. <laughs> Did not see that. I think Alex ended up watching it and said it was a passable movie. I, I just don't don't worry about this one. Okay. Uh, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Isn't that pretty new? No, this is an older one. You're thinking of Gretel and Hansel, which just came out. Oh, how could I get the two confused? Right, I know, right? You, you savage. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is uh, Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, and it's uh, Jeremy Renner and Gemma Arterton from 2013. Yeah, that's probably going to be a pass from me. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> is it? Uh, like, like three beers fun? Or... Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe four. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not really seeing the connection, but okay. All right, moving on. The Mummy. Oh, Brandon Fraser? No, the 2017 Tom Cruise one. Why you gotta do this to me? I didn't see the Tom Cruise one, but I love the Brandon Fraser one. That one's fun. Yeah, I love the Brandon Fraser. Let's talk about the Brandon Fraser one, because I love that one. Okay. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't know why this is... I don't know how Warcraft is pulling up Hansel and Gretel and the mummy, but it is. So. Well, the Hansel and Gretel, I can get that being like the more fantasy aspect to it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But Tom Cruise has nothing to do with Warcraft. No, thankfully. <laughs> Let's keep it that way, please. <laughs> All right. Edge of Tomorrow. Loved it. You Didn't you do a review on that one? We did an episode on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. It's such a great time. Uh, again, Tom Cruise. What? What are you doing here, Tom Cruise? Get out of here. 
Yeah. I I don't know. Uh, Ready Player One. Oh, man. That's the only other movie I own on iTunes besides this movie, and I love it so much. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about Ready Player One is seeing a Jim Rayner at the beginning of it. A what? A Jim Rayner from StarCraft and his power Oh, suit. right, 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 right. Oh, okay. Man. And a couple Tracer cameos. Just yes. the amount of nostalgia in that movie with the video game characters is just awesome. I love that movie a lot. I read the book several years before the movie was was came out, and my problem with the book was it was it felt like it was f- hitting you in the face with nostalgia. Like every page had some reference to it, and that works really well in a movie where it can be in the background, as opposed to a book where it's just shoved in your face. Right. I never read the books or anything, but um, I saw the movie in the theaters and was blown away by it. Like once again, it's another fantastically done CGI world that pushes the bar again. Yeah. All right, John Carter. Uh, uh never. That's Disney, right? It is. Yes. Yeah, that's one I never saw. My guess is it's a book adaptation, and this is a video game adaptation. So. Yeah. Uh, and, and then finally, Ender's Game. I saw it. A, I saw that one in the theaters too, I believe, and it was fine. It's another book adaptation. Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> it was it was fine as a movie, but as a series, it probably would have been better. But it, it's not the worst thing of this list, for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. We always end with a pop quiz for multiple choice questions based on the movie. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Number one. With the movie based on a video game, another filmmaker expressed interest in taking on the project, to which he was told by Blizzard Entertainment... We will not sell the movie rights to you, especially not to you. Who was rejected for making a Warcraft movie? A. Michael Bay, B. Sam Raimi, C. Zack Snyder, or D. Uwe Boll? Uh, was it D? Uwe Boll, it was. Yes. Yeah, I, I've read, I read through the that's the fun the IMDb a little bit. I, did, I that was like the first one that I saw. Yeah, Sam Raimi was actually set to direct it at one t- point, but uh, right, Uwe Boll, who has done film adaptations of Blood Rain and Postal and In the Name of the King, and notoriously was making bad movies because of uh, German tax cutoffs and tax write-offs and stuff. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, in the days of my old podcast, I actually got to interview him. It was very interesting listening to how evasive he was about questions about the financial aspect of filmmaking. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can understand that from him. Uh, number two, while the film is full of digital effects, one sequence was surprisingly done practically. What was it? A, the baby orc floating down the river. B, Medivh burning Cadgar's research notes, C, Cadgar's glowing tattoo, or D, the birth of the baby orc? B. Yep, Medivh burning Cadgar's research notes was done practically, which explains a lot more as to why Cadgar is so freaked out when everything's catching fire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he reacts so well to that scene, and there's that one in the back that stays on fire for a little bit longer than it probably should have. Yeah. All right, number three, musicians Adina Menzel, Debbie Gibson, Julie Delpy, and Leighton Meester were all contenders for which role in the movie? A, Garona, B, Draca, C, Queen Terrio Wynn, or D, Alodi? Um, oh, Aladai, maybe? Aladai, sorry, yeah, Aladai. That's what I'm going to guess, D. Oh, that's your guess? No, they were all um, contenders for Garona. Oh, really? Hmm. We should mention, I don't, I can't believe we missed it, but Aladai is played by Glenn Close. Yep. What the hell? <laughs> that's just one of those random cameo or guest appearances. You're like, wait, who was that again? Rewind that. Yeah. And then you see your chin, you're like, oh my gosh, that is Carilla DeVille. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can think of about a dozen other roles I'd referenced before 101 Dalmatians, but okay. <laughs> All right, last question. Warcraft legend Chris Metzen helped with the story of the film and then put in an on-screen cameo as who? A, an orc at the first Makgora. B, the human who finds the baby orc. C, a turbaned perfume vendor in Stormwind. C, sorry, or D, <laughs> Yes, absolutely. It's a deleted scene. It's a, kind of a weird scene. But it fits him really well. 
<laughs> well, I had to go as detailed on the answer compared to the other ones because I was like, there's no way he's going to know this. Oh, no, that's I'm surprised I didn't get the last one, the Aladai question or answer that was wrong. Yeah, I want to know why they wanted a bunch of why they were considering a bunch of musicians for Garona. Was she going to have a musical number or something maybe in the oh. middle? Or okay, now I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, where can people find you? Anything you want to promote? Anything like that? Uh, not particularly. If you want to find me, you can find me on Fairbanks server for Classic WoW uh, and the guild Here Be Monsters as Grootsy or Drugus. Okay. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, thanks for giving me an excuse to watch Warcraft again. It's as, as much as I've you know berated it here or there throughout the conversation, it's not that bad a movie. It is fun. It definitely has its moments of pleasure and just silly fun, with, especially during the fight sequences. Those are really well done, and the CGI is just really great. Yeah. So thanks for giving me a reason to watch it again. Hey, no problem. Time for me to log out and then log back in a while. <laughs> So that does it for this week, but you can keep the conversation going throughout the week on social media, share your thoughts about Warcraft, or maybe tell me about a movie you'd like to come on the show and talk about. You can find me at Talon Hess on Twitter or the show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter, on Facebook where I Have Not Seen This podcast, or email me at HaveNotSeenThis at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, including next week's episode, which... Well, as I said, I don't have it picked out yet because I let myself get behind on recordings, but there will be an episode and it will be a movie of some sort. This podcast is available through all major podcast sources. Positive ratings and reviews are always welcome, as is just sharing the podcast with a friend and spreading the love. And if you like World of Warcraft or other Blizzard games, be sure to check out Citizens of Azeroth, a World of Warcraft podcast, also available through all major podcast sources. Special thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song, and thanks to Luke for providing this week's conversation. Until next week, I'm Rafe Telsch, and this has been Have Not Seen This. Be kind to each other. <laughs>